0: And because the sales methods and techniques were so powerful and effective, there were never any requests for refunds or rebates. You can design your sales presentation so that it achieves the same kinds of results. Price comes last. Interestingly enough, it was only when I had closed the sale and gotten an agreement to conduct our sales training program that the prospect would suddenly become alert and ask, wait a minute, how much is this going to cost? When you have designed and given your sales presentation effectively, the question of price will only come up at the end, after the decision to buy has been made. In fact, if the prospect asks you how much it is going to cost before you have finished showing him what he will get and what your product or service will do for him, refuse to give the price. Put off the question. Say, that's a good question. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Here's a wise proverb from the world of sales. Price out of place kills the sale. If you give the price too early before the customer knows what the price is for, he will often become preoccupied with the amount you are going to charge rather than the benefits he is going to receive. Always delay discussion of pricing until the end of the presentation when the prospect clearly wants to enjoy the benefits that your product or service offers. Learning and Teaching Continually In a good presentation during the process of learning and teaching, You learn what the prospect needs and you teach him how he will get it from the product or service that you are selling. As you go through your sales presentation asking questions and inviting feedback, you learn more and more about what the prospect really wants. When your presentation is well planned, it has an irresistible logic and flow. When you reach the end of your presentation, the prospect should be ready to buy what you are selling. This is why the real close takes place in the presentation. When you have made a good presentation and the prospect is convinced that your product is going to give him benefits that far outweigh the costs, then it's simply a matter of wrapping up the details at the end of the presentation. Take the time to be perfectly clear. Before you can begin your sales presentation, you must be absolutely clear about the specific needs of this particular prospect and how your product or service can satisfy those needs. In this qualification phase, The very best way to elicit these needs is by asking planned, open-ended questions that elicit specific information. Listening is the key to building trust, to learning the true needs of the prospect. It's also the key to establishing a high-quality relationship. In fact, listening is the key to sales success. One of the greatest needs that each person has is to feel important, to be appreciated and esteemed by other people. Listening has been called white magic because of its enormous impact on influencing the emotions and personality of the other person. Become a great listener. There are five keys to effective listening. You could attend every course, read every magazine article, and watch every video on listening, and they will still boil down to these five keys. Number one, listen attentively. First, listen attentively without interruptions. Listen without any attempt to leap in and share your own ideas. Face the prospect directly. Lean forward. Nod, smile, and agree. Be an active listener rather than a passive listener. Focus on the mouth and eyes of the prospect when he is speaking. Here's a good exercise. Imagine that your eyes are sun lamps, and you want to give your prospect's face a tan. As you listen, keep moving your eyes up and down over your prospect's face hanging on every word as if he or she were about to give you the winning lottery number and she would only give it to you once. Listen as though you have all the time in the world. Listen as if you would still be here if she wanted to talk for eight years and you would love to hear every single word she says. Listening affects people. When a prospect is intensely listened to, he experiences specific psychological changes. His heart rate goes up his blood pressure goes up. His galvanic skin response increases. Most importantly, when a person is intensely listened to, his self-esteem goes up. He feels more valued. He likes himself more, and as a result, he likes the person who is listening to him so intently. Listening is the most powerful of all techniques in selling. All of the highest-paid sales professionals are described as very good listeners. They seek first to understand then to be understood. They concentrate all of their attention on understanding the thoughts, feelings, and needs of the customer before they make any attempt to sell. 2. Pause before replying. Second, pause before replying or continuing. When the prospect finishes speaking, pause and wait for 3 to 5 seconds before you answer. Even if the prospect has asked you a question to which you know the answer you must still discipline yourself to pause for a few moments. There are three benefits to pausing. First, when you pause, you convey to the prospect that you are carefully considering what he just said. This tells him that you value him and his words. What he has said is too important for you to respond too quickly. As a result, you raise his self-esteem and self-respect. You make him feel better about himself and, by extension, better about you. The second benefit of pausing is that it allows you to hear the prospect at a deeper level of mind. It's almost as though words soak into your mind as water soaks into the soil. When you allow silence after the prospect's words, you actually understand what he or she really meant, much more than you would if you replied immediately. The third benefit of pausing before replying is that you avoid the risk of interrupting the prospect if he is just reorganizing his thoughts and preparing to begin speaking again. Allow silence in the conversation. Salespeople must become comfortable with silence. This is critical to selling success. Most salespeople are a bit impatient, sometimes nervous and eager to make the sale. As a result, they feel that they have to say something anything when a silence develops during the sales conversation. Remember the saying, selling takes place with the words, but the buying takes place in the silence. Customers need time to process the sales conversation. If you do not allow silence, which permits what is being said to soak into their minds, they cannot process your sales message. At the end of your time together, they will have no choice but to say, leave it with me, let me think it over. And when they say this, you have in all likelihood lost the sale completely. 3. Question for clarification. Third, question for clarification. Never assume that you know what the prospect really meant by what he just said. Instead, pause and then ask the question, How do you mean? This is one of the great all-purpose questions for sales success. No matter what the prospect says or no matter what his objection, you can always follow it up with, How do you mean? It costs too much. How do you mean? We can't afford it. How do you mean? We're happy with our existing supplier. How do you mean? We don't have it in the budget. How do you mean? Each time you ask the question, how do you mean, the prospect will expand on what he just said. He will give you more detail. And each elaboration increases the likelihood that he will tell you what you need to know to help him to make a buying decision. Questions equal control. Let me repeat this all-important principle in selling and communication. The person who asks questions has control. People are conditioned to respond to questions from early infancy. When you ask a person a question, he or she almost automatically gives you an answer. When you are talking at about 100 to 150 words per minute, the prospect can process words at the rate of 600 words per minute. This means that the prospect has three-quarters of his time available to think of something else while you are speaking. Very often, prospects drift off into their own thoughts because they have so much thinking time available to them when you are giving your presentation. But when you ask a question, 100% of the prospect's attention will be focused on answering you. It's almost as if you grabbed the prospect by the lapels and jerked him towards you. When you ask a question, the prospect cannot think of anything else but the answer until it is given giving you the control. 4. Paraphrase it in your own words. Feedback what the prospect just said in your own words. Paraphrase the prospect's comments or questions. This is known as the acid test of listening. When you can feedback what a customer says, you prove to the customer that you are really paying attention. You are not just like one of those toy dogs in the back of a car window with his head nodding up and down. You were really listening. Only after you have listened attentively, paused before replying, questioned for clarification, and fed it back in your own words, are you in a position to comment intelligently or to make a sales presentation. Listening builds trust, and the very best way to get an opportunity to listen is to control the conversation with questions. Number five, use open-ended questions. Earlier, we covered the use of open-ended questions. These are questions that cannot be answered with yes or no. Whenever you ask a question beginning with the pronouns or adverbs, who, why, where, when, how, what, and which, you encourage the prospect to talk and give you more information that can help you to make the sale. Closed-ended questions. Use closed-ended questions to bring the conversation to a conclusion. These are questions that can be only answered with a yes or a no. Closed-ended questions always begin with verbs, such as are, is, and do. Are you ready to make a decision today? Is this what you are looking for? Do you want to get started right away? Remember to design your sales presentation around questions that you have planned in advance. As you have already learned, telling is not selling. Presentation Methods Your presentation should always move from the general to the particular in a logical order. Use what is called the ascending close. With this, you present your product features and benefits in the order of importance from the most to the least. Usually, your most powerful benefit will arouse buying desire, but this is not always the case. Be prepared to walk through your features and benefits, remaining alert and aware of the prospect's reactions sometimes your third or fourth benefit will be what interests your prospect more than anything else get the prospect involved get the prospect involved and keep him involved cause him to move a prospect who is sitting there like a lump of stone neither reacting nor responding is not likely to buy when you have finished your presentation the very best salespeople are active in the sales conversation not only do they talk but they move use their faces, and gesture with their hands. They pass the prospect information and take it back. They ask him to calculate numbers and percentages. Ask the prospect to sit somewhere else. Don't be afraid to pull your chair around the prospect's desk and sit next to him while making your presentation. Even better, get the prospect to move to a table or to another office where there's more room for your materials as you present your product. The more a prospect talks and moves in a sales presentation, the more likely it is that he will agree to buy at the end of your presentation. Use visual aids to sell. Use visual aids whenever possible. There are 22 times the number of nerves from the eye to the brain as from the ear to the brain. If all you are doing is talking, the prospect will have a hard time paying attention or remembering anything that you say. Use pictures, graphs, illustrations, and even financial comparisons on paper to reinforce and drive home your key points. The average attention span of an adult is about three sentences. Once you have spoken three sentences in a row, without asking a question, showing a picture, or giving an illustration, the prospect becomes lost in his own world. He will be busy thinking about what he will do when you leave. But as soon as you ask a question, you jerk the prospect awake and force him to focus his entire attention on your presentation. When you use illustrations combined with questions, you keep the prospect totally involved throughout your presentation. Telling is not selling. There's that adage again. That's because your most effective way of presenting is by taking every important piece of information that you have to convey and rephrasing it as a question. Instead of saying, this costs $2.95 per person, you say, do you have any idea how much something like this normally costs per person? Once you have asked it as a question, you will have the prospect's complete attention when you answer. The Trial Close Begin using the trial close very early in the presentation. It's one of the most powerful of all closing techniques, and it can be used throughout your selling work. Sometimes it is called the signpost close, or the check close. You use it to find out if you are on the right track or to check if what you are talking about is important to the prospect. It's a wonderful way to get feedback continually throughout the presentation. The beauty of the trial close is that it can be answered with a no without stopping the presentation. You, do you like this color? Prospect, no, I hate it. It's the worst color I've ever seen. You, no problem. We've got lots of other colors that you would like better. Ask for feedback. Some of the most popular trial closing questions that you can ask are, does this make sense to you so far? Is this what you had in mind? Do you like what I've shown you up to now? Would this be an improvement on your current situation? Are we right so far? This new photocopier will produce 150 copies a minute versus the standard of 100 copies per minute. Would this be important to you in your business? No, I don't think so. We never need to produce a large number of copies in a short period of time. No problem. This machine has several other features that I think you will really like. And then you go on with the presentation. Feedback is essential. When the prospect says no to a particular feature or benefit, he is giving you valuable feedback. He is not saying no to the entire offer. He is only saying no to that particular feature. The difference between experienced salespeople and inexperienced salespeople in this area is that experienced salespeople present one feature or benefit and then ask for feedback. They make sure that they understand what the customer is thinking at each state of the sales presentation. Inexperienced salespeople, out of nervousness, present every feature and benefit, one after another, without hesitating or stopping to get feedback. At the end of the presentation, the customer has gone into overload and has no choice but to say, Leave it with me, let me think it over. The Power of Suggestion Close You can use the Power of Suggestion clothes throughout the presentation to plant seeds of readiness in the customer's mind. People think and make buying decisions largely based on stories and word pictures. People take in information in a logical form, but your brain can only hold a certain amount of data. However, your brain can hold millions of pictures and stories. The very best salespeople are those who continually paint emotional word pictures about their product. Word pictures create images in the customer's mind. These images often trigger emotions, such as buying desire. Long after the presentation, the prospect will forget all the facts you gave, but will still remember clearly the pictures and stories. Create word pictures. For example, imagine that you are selling a car. You can say, you are really going to love the way this car handles in the mountains. What happens when you say this? The prospect sees and thinks about the car driving through the mountains. He or she instantly transports into driving this car around curves with forests and lakes on either side. If you're selling homes, you could say you're really going to enjoy living on such a quiet street. It's just beautiful here. There's not a sound in the evenings. It's so relaxing. When you describe a house like this, the individual immediately reaches out mentally and emotionally for the benefits. When his friends later ask why he bought this particular house, he'll almost invariably talk about the house in terms of how quiet the neighborhood is. Double your responses. When I was working as a sales consultant for a residential real estate company, we developed a powerful telephone question that doubled the number of people coming in to look at houses. In the business of residential real estate, companies place advertisements in the newspapers for homes for sale, inviting prospective buyers to phone for more information. In most cases, prospective buyers will telephone, ask for the very best price and terms available for that house, and then hang up. Too often, the real estate company won't even get a chance to meet and talk to these people. Answer questions with questions. Rather than giving facts and details on the home, we taught them to answer inquiries with a simple question. Thank you for calling. May I ask you a question? Are you looking for an ideal home in a quiet neighborhood? This question was carefully formulated. When the person answering the phone asked this question, it immediately triggered two mental pictures in the mind of the prospective buyer. The first mental picture was his or her personal definition of an ideal home. This picture is different for each person. But the three words instantly caused the caller to visualize what he or she personally considered to be an ideal home. The second picture this question triggered was the scene of a quiet neighborhood. The two pictures in combination invariably elicited the answer, of course, do you have something that fits that description? The real estate agent would say, well, as a matter of fact, we have two houses that have just been listed that you might like to see. They aren't even in the newspapers yet. When would you have time to take a look at them? This simple approach, using the power of suggestion close, more than doubled the flow of prospects coming through this real estate office. Once prospects had come in and gone out to visit homes with one of the real estate agents, they typically stayed with that agent until they had found the type of home they were looking for. Talking past the sale close. In conjunction with the power of suggestion close, you can use the talking past the sale close. This method is very simple. You talk to the prospect as if he has already bought the product or service. You don't even ask him for a buying decision. You simply talk about how much he is going to enjoy the product or service now that he owns it. For example, the prospect is considering retaining the services of your company. You say, you're going to love the type of service that you get from our company. When you place an order, it's confirmed within 30 minutes and out within three days, faster than any other company in the business. This immediately creates a mental picture of speed and efficiency in the customer's mind. The customer projects himself into the person of a satisfied customer and sees himself enjoying the benefits you just described. You're really going to adore living in this neighborhood. Even though it's quiet and peaceful, It's close to schools, shopping, and the freeway to get to work. This is a good choice. With this photocopier in your office, it will sit over there in your staff room producing 100 copies a minute, and it will be so quiet that you won't even know it's on. In every case, prospects become customers when they have a clear, exciting, emotional word picture of themselves enjoying the benefits of the product or service that you are selling. Your job is to create as many exciting pictures as possible of the customer benefiting from what you sell. The more of these pictures you can create, the more irresistible your offer becomes. Top Sales Strategy One of my graduates is a top salesperson for a recreational vehicle dealership. She sells RVs that cost as much as $500,000 each. She outsells her competitors, both at her own dealership and throughout the state, by three to five times. She is a superstar in her field, and she has a simple technique to achieve this goal. When a couple comes in to look at a recreational vehicle, she first qualifies them to determine that they are serious buyers. She then shows them several vehicles to determine what size and price range they are interested in. Finally, she arranges to take them out for a combination lunch and test drive in the vehicle that they seem to like the most. A couple of days later, as prearranged, she arrives at their home driving the vehicle. She has them make themselves comfortable inside, and then she drives them to an idyllic spot in a park overlooking the lake with the mountains in the distance. She swings the vehicle around so that this beautiful scene is facing the couple as they sit at the kitchen table. She then takes out a picnic basket, lays out a beautiful luncheon, and serves it to them as they sit looking at the mountains. After lunch and after answering all their questions, she says, Isn't this a beautiful way to live? Wouldn't you just love to be able to get away in this vehicle anytime you want it? The couple looks at her, looks at each other, looks out over the mountains and the lake, and the decision is made. She sells more recreational vehicles than anyone else in her industry, and for good reason. Now, here are seven action exercises for you. Number one, plan every sales presentation in advance. Design it so that it moves from the general to the particular, from the known to the unknown, starting with your most attractive benefit. 2. Ask trial closing questions throughout. Invite feedback and responses after every feature or benefit. 3. Take the time to determine the buyer personality style of the prospect you are talking to. Make note of the questions he or she asks. These are good indicators. Number four, practice flexibility with your prospects and customers. Speed up or slow down. Be general or specific so that you can sell to more diverse people. Five, create emotional mental pictures of how happy your prospect will be while owning and using your product or service. Six, design each part of your presentation to show, tell, and ask questions about each feature and benefit you present. Keep the prospect involved and active. 7. Become an excellent listener. Ask good questions, listen without interrupting, pause before replying, and feed it back in your own words to prove that you fully understand the prospect's situation. Augmandino wrote, The only certain means of success is to render more and better service than is expected of you, no matter what your task may be. Chapter 8. 10 Keys to Success in Selling H.W. Dresser wrote, Be true to the best you know. This is your high ideal. If you do your best, you cannot do more. The top 20% of salespeople earn 80% of the money. The top 5% or 10% of salespeople earn vastly more than that. Your goal is to become one of the very best and highest paid people in your profession. Fortunately, this is easier than you might think. Success is predictable. One of the turning points in my life was when I learned about the law of cause and effect. This law says that for every effect, such as high income, there is a specific cause or causes. If you do what other successful people do, you will eventually get the same results that they do. In the remaining part of this program, I would like to pass on to you some of the causes or reasons for great success. The more of them you practice, the better results you will get. Once you learn these ideas, you can practice them time and time again. The more you practice them, the less effort will be required for optimum results. You will move onto the fast track in your sales career. Number one, do what you love to do. All truly successful, highly paid people, including salespeople, love what they do. You must learn to love your work and then commit yourself to becoming excellent in your field. These two go together like a hand and a glove. Invest whatever amount of time is necessary. Pay any price. Go any distance. Make any sacrifice to become the very best at what you do. Commit to excellence. Join the top 10%. Excellence is a decision. Sadly enough, the majority of people will often spend their entire lives in selling, and it will never occur to them that they should commit themselves to becoming excellent in doing it. The good news is that you do not have to be the best in the world to live an extraordinary life. Success in sales goes to the person who's just a little bit better in the critical areas of selling. If you take the time and make the effort, if you really put your whole heart into what you're doing and learn to love the profession of selling, you will move into the big money ranks of sales professionals. Self-esteem and success. We spoke earlier about the importance of self-esteem and success. Psychologists have discovered that you can never really feel happy about yourself until you know that you are good at what you do. You can never genuinely like yourself and accept yourself as a worthwhile person until you have become very good in your chosen field. The reason many people are unhappy is because when they wake up in the morning and look at themselves in the mirror, the person who looks back at them is not very good at anything that makes much of a difference. Men especially get their sense of self-worth from knowing that they are competent in their fields. If a man is not particularly good at what he does, and is not recognized by others for his competence and ability, he feels unhappy and unfulfilled. You can be the best. Every single person has the ability to be good at something. Everyone has the ability to excel. It's almost as though nature has built an excellence gene into each person and it is up to each person to discover what his or her area of excellence is, and then to put his or her whole heart into becoming really good in that area. Michael Jordan was once complimented on his skills as a basketball player. The journalist said to him "You were lucky to be born with such tremendous athletic ability. Jordan replied, Everybody has ability, but talent takes hard work. Many people make the mistake of thinking that if they have the ability to excel in a field, it will come naturally. But the fact is that excellence is the result of years of hard, dedicated effort in a single direction. There is no substitute for hard work. 2. Decide exactly what you want. Don't be wishy-washy or vague. Decide exactly what it is that you want in life. Set it as a goal and then determine what price you're going to have to pay to get it. Most people never do this. According to the research, only about 3% of adults have written goals. And these are the most successful and highest paid people in every field. These are the movers and shakers, the creators and innovators, the top salespeople and entrepreneurs. Almost everyone works for them. The Goals Formula Here is a simple 7-step formula for setting and achieving goals. I teach it everywhere I go, and it has often been life-changing for my seminar participants. First, decide exactly what you want. If you want to increase your income, be specific about the exact amount that you want to earn. Second, write it down. A goal that is not in writing is merely a fantasy. It has no power or energy behind it. It is like a cartridge with no powder or like cigarette smoke in the air. Third, set a deadline on your goal. Your subconscious mind loves deadlines. It requires a forcing system to activate all its powers. If it is a large enough goal, set sub-deadlines. If it's a 10-year goal, set a goal for each year and then for each month of the coming year. Continually measure your progress against your goal and your deadlines. Fourth, make a list of everything you can think of that you can possibly do to achieve your goal. When you think of new activities, add them to your list. Keep working at it until your list is complete. The more individual steps you write down on your list, the more excited you become about achieving your goal and the more motivated you will be. Henry Ford said any goal, no matter how large, can be achieved if you break it down into enough small steps. Fifth, organize the list by sequence and priority. When you organize by sequence, you decide what has to be done before something else has to be done. You determine what comes first, what comes second, and so on. When you organize by priority, You determine the most important item on your list, and then the second most important, then the third, fourth, and fifth, and so on. Once you have a list of steps, organized by sequence and priority, you have a plan. A person with a goal and a plan will run circles around a person with only a wish and a hope. Sixth, take action on your goal, whatever it is. The primary reason that people succeed greatly is because they are action-oriented. The primary reason that people fail is because they do not take action. Failures always have an excuse to procrastinate until finally their energy and desire are gone and they are back to where they started. And seventh, do something every day that moves you towards your most important goal, whatever it is at that time. Do this 365 days per year. Develop the discipline of working on your goals daily so that it is as normal and natural to you as breathing in and breathing out. Set 10 goals immediately. Here's an exercise for you. Take a sheet of paper and write the word goals at the top of the page plus today's date. Then write down 10 goals that you would like to achieve in the next 12 months. Write as quickly as possible. This exercise should only take you three to five minutes. Once you have your list of 10 goals, go over the list and ask yourself, which one goal on this list if I were to achieve it within 24 hours, would have the greatest positive impact on my life? The answer to that question becomes your major, definite purpose. This becomes the organizing principle or focal point for your life. Transfer this goal to the top of a clean sheet of paper and write it out clearly and in detail. Make it measurable. Set a deadline for when you intend to achieve it. Make a list of everything that you could think of that you will have to do to accomplish the goal. Organize this list by sequence and priority into a plan. And then take action on this goal and do something every day until you achieve it. Your major definite purpose. When you get up in the morning, think about this goal. As you work through the day, think about this goal. Discuss this goal with the important people in your life. In the evening before you go to sleep, think about this goal and what it will look like when you achieve it. Continually visualize your goal as if it were already a reality. Resolve in advance that you will never quit until you achieve this goal. Failure is not an alternative. Change your life. This exercise will change your life. If you have the discipline and determination to follow all the steps listed above, within one year and perhaps sooner, your whole life will be different. Both your sales and your income will increase dramatically. You will feel terrific about yourself. You will start to make rapid progress in every area of your life. You will attract people and circumstances into your life that can help you. Miracles will happen. At the end of a year, you will look back and be speechless at what has happened over the past 12 months. All it takes is a pad of paper yourself and less than 10 minutes. Give it a try. Write down 10 goals, select one, make a plan, and see what happens. Number three. Back your goal with persistence and determination. Once you begin, refuse to even consider the possibility of failure. Back your goal with perseverance and indomitable willpower. Decide to throw your whole heart and soul into your success and into achieving that goal. Don't hold anything back. Make a complete commitment. Resolve that nothing will stop you or discourage you. You can tell where you're going to be in one, two, or three years by how well you respond to the inevitable adversities, objections, and disappointments that you experience each day. Your level of persistence in the face of setbacks is your measure of your belief in yourself. The Greek philosopher Epictetus once said, Circumstances do not make the man, they merely reveal him to himself. Adversity shows you what you are made of. As my friend Charlie Jones said, It's not how far you fall, but how high you bounce, that counts. You can always tell how successful you are going to be by how quickly you bounce back. Your degree of resilience is the mark and measure of your character. Your ability to take the hard work and rough shocks of selling and to keep on keeping on is the ultimate determinant of your success. Number four, commit to lifelong learning. Your mind is your most precious asset and the quality of your thinking determines the quality of your life. Commit yourself to lifelong learning. I cannot emphasize this too often. Not long ago, a college student sent out a 39-point questionnaire to all the presidents of Fortune 500 companies. 83 of those presidents completed the questionnaire and sent it back. This is an extraordinary number of responses from such a busy group of people. The student went through the questionnaires to find out what these business leaders considered to be the reasons for their success. Perhaps the most common piece of advice from these top people repeated over and over again was never stop learning and getting better. This applies to you as well. Your mind can appreciate in value. Read, listen to audio programs, attend seminars and courses, and never forget that the most valuable asset that you will ever have is your mind. But your mind can be made to appreciate in value. If you purchase a car it begins to depreciate, to lose its value as soon as you drive it off the dealer's lot. If you buy any kind of a physical object, it begins to deteriorate immediately. You can increase the value of your mind by continually feeding it new information that you can use to get better results. Increase your value. Each person starts off in life with a limited amount of practical knowledge that he can use for the benefit of other people. As you learn, you become more valuable. The more knowledge you acquire that can be applied to practical purposes, the greater will be your rewards and the more you will be paid. As you go through life gaining additional experience, reading more books and articles and upgrading your skills, your knowledge grows and your rewards in life increase. As you move forward in the line of life toward the success that is possible for you, the Law of Cause and Effect applies. In success, the Law of Cause and Effect is summarized by Learn and Do Every time you learn and practice something new, you move ahead in the line. When you stop learning and doing, you stop moving forward. When you start, once more, learning and applying what you've learned, you start moving forward again. The more you learn and do, the faster you move toward the front of the line. Keep filling your bucket. Imagine that your current quantity of knowledge and skill is like water in a bucket. The water level determines your income. When you start off in life, your bucket has very little knowledge and skill in it. Your results and rewards are minimal as well. As you increase your level of knowledge and skill, your bucket gets fuller. Your level of rewards and recognition increases. Over the years, your bucket gets fuller. This level increases and your income goes up. But here's the problem. There's a hole in this bucket. If at any time you stop learning and practicing new skills or adding new knowledge and ideas... You don't stay in the same place. Your water level drops. You actually begin to fall back in the line of life. People start to pass you. If you do not continually upgrade your knowledge and skill, you lose your edge. Your current knowledge and skill becomes increasingly obsolete and of less value. Never stop learning. An enormous number of adults do not understand this. They get their basic education, and then they try to coast on their minimal knowledge and skill for many years. They're flabbergasted and angry when younger people pass them in the race. They become frustrated. No one has ever told them that continuous learning is as essential as bathing or brushing their teeth each day. If you don't do it for any period of time, it soon becomes evident to everyone around you. If you are not continually learning and growing, the knowledge you have is actually diminishing. The incompetent person of tomorrow is the person who has stopped learning today. The illiterate person is the person who is no longer learning, growing, and increasing his value every single day. The person who does not read is no better than the person who cannot read. Resolve that you are going to learn and practice something new each day. Read every morning. Listen to audio programs in your car. Take all the training you can get and continually put your new knowledge into action. 5. Use your time well. Your time is all you have to sell. It is your primary asset. How you use your time determines your standard of living. Resolve, therefore, to use your time well. Because of the 80-20 rule, some things you do are worth vastly more than other things, even though they take the same number of minutes and hours. Your goal is to focus on those activities that contribute the very most value to your life and your work. Begin every day with a list. The best time to make up your work list is the night before, prior to wrapping up for the day. Write down everything that you have to do the next day, starting with your fixed appointments and then moving on to everything you can think of. Never work without a list. Time management experts say that you will increase your productivity by 25% or gain two extra hours per day by the very act of planning your day in advance your list becomes the key to your time and life management system. Set clear priorities. Once you have a list, set priorities on your list. Determine what is more important and what is less important. Ask yourself, if I could only do one thing on this list before I was called out of town for a month, which one thing would it be? Whatever your answer, put a circle around that item. Then ask yourself, if I could only do two things on this list before being called out of town for a month, what would the second item be? Circle that item as well. Then, ask yourself this question one more time. This exercise forces you to think about what is really important, rather than what is merely urgent or busy work. Once you've determined your highest priority task, you know where to start and what to work on. Select your most important task. A good time management question for you to ask is, What one thing, if done in an excellent fashion, would have the greatest positive impact on my work? There's always one thing that you can do that, if you do it well, can have a significant influence on your results and your rewards. A variation of this question is, What can I and only I do that, if done well, will make a real difference? Every hour of every day, there's only one answer to this question. There is something that only you can do that will make a real difference. This is something that no one else will do for you if you don't do it. But if you do do it and you do it well, it can make a real difference. What is it? The final question you ask in setting priorities is, what is the most valuable use of my time right now? Again, ask this question every hour. There's always a single answer to this question. Your job is to make sure that whatever you are doing, it is the most valuable use of your time at the moment. Focus And concentrate the final key to time management once you have made a list and set priorities is for you to begin on the most important task before you and then to concentrate on it fervently until it's complete your ability to focus and concentrate to be absolutely clear about your most important task and then to do only that task until it's done will do more to double and triple your productivity and performance than anything else number six follow the leaders Do what successful people do. Follow the leaders, not the followers. Do what the top people in your field do. Imitate the ones who are going somewhere with their lives. Follow the people who are achieving the kind of things you want to achieve sometime in the future. Look around you. Who are the people that you admire the most? Which ones are getting the results that you want to achieve in the months and years ahead? Identify the very best people in your field and pattern yourself after them. Decide to be like them. Associate with them as much as possible. If you want to know how to be a successful salesperson, go to the top people in your business and ask them for advice. Ask them what books you should read and what audio programs you should listen to. Ask them what courses you should take. Inquire about their attitudes, philosophies, and approaches to their work and their customers. Learn from the best. Successful people will always help other people to be successful. People who are extremely busy with their own lives and work will always find time to help you if you genuinely want to be successful. When you ask for advice from a successful person, take that advice. Do what the winner encourages you to do. Buy the book and read it. Get the audio program and listen to it. Attend the course and practice what you learn. Then go back to that person and tell him or her what you have done. That individual will want to help you even more choose your role models. At a seminar for more than a thousand sales professionals not long ago, a salesman came up to me at the break and told me an interesting story. I knew immediately that he was successful because of his appearance. He was well-dressed, well-groomed, confident, positive, relaxed, and easygoing. He had the feeling of success about him. He told me that when he started out, he hung around with the junior salespeople. Over his first six months, he noticed That there were four top salespeople in his company who seemed to associate mostly among themselves. They did not spend time with the junior salespeople. He observed the junior salespeople himself and the top salespeople and noticed one thing immediately. The higher paid salespeople were dressed far better than the lower paid salespeople. They were sharp and professional looking. They looked like successful people. Ask for advice. One day, he asked one of the top salespeople what he could do to be more successful. The salesperson asked him if he used a time management system. As it happened, this young fellow had never been introduced to a time management system. The successful salesperson told him the system he used and showed him where to get it. And he did. And he used it. And he began to use his time more efficiently. After that, he began to model himself after the top salespeople. Not only did he ask them for advice about what to read and listen to, but he observed them and made them his role models. Each morning, before he started out, he would stand in front of his mirror and ask himself, Do I look like one of the best salespeople in my branch? Look the part. He was critical of himself, especially with regard to his dress and grooming. If he did not feel that he looked like a top salesperson, he would continue to make changes until he did. Only then would he go off to work. Within a year, he was one of the top salespeople in his branch. He only associated with the other top salespeople. He had become like them. Moving up. As a result of his high level of sales, he was invited to the National Sales Convention. At the convention, he made a point of going to each of the top salespeople from around the country sometime during the convention and asking for their advice. Not surprisingly, they were flattered and told him some of the things that they had done to move from the bottom to the top of their field when he got back home he wrote them letters of thanks and put their ideas to work his sales went up and up and up soon he was the top salesman in his branch and later the top salesman in the state over a period of five years he transformed his life at the national sales conventions he was invited onto the stage to receive prizes and awards by his eighth year in the business he was the top salesman in the country What he told me was interesting. He said that all of his success had come from asking other top salespeople what they were doing and then following their guidance. But what he learned was that even though these top salespeople had been going up on the stage and receiving prizes for sales excellence year after year, he was the first person who had ever sought them out and asked them for advice. Fly with the Eagles David McClelland of Harvard, author of The Achieving Society, Observed that the main difference between success and failure in life is your choice of a reference group. He concluded that birds of a feather flock together. The reference group, the group that you choose to associate with most of the time, largely determines what you accomplish in life. You tend to take on the values, attitudes, dress, and lifestyle of the people around you. If you associate with successful people, you tend to adopt their attitudes, philosophies, manners of speaking and dress, work habits, and so on. In no time, you start to get the results that they do. The fatal error. What McClelland also found was that the choice of a negative or unmotivated reference group could be enough in itself to condemn a person to lifelong underachievement and failure. A person could go to the best university, get the finest education, and have the greatest talents and abilities, but if he associated with unsuccessful people, he would be a failure as well. What we have found is that a change in your reference group, moving from one company to another, or starting to associate with successful people, can transform your life and your results. But as Zig Ziglar said, you can't fly with the eagles if you keep scratching with the turkeys. Human beings are very much like chameleons. We take on the attitudes and the behavior of the people with whom we associate. We become like these people. We adopt their opinions. The power of suggestion, especially the outlooks and view of other people, exerts an enormous influence on how we think and feel about ourselves and how we behave on a day-to-day basis. 7. Character is everything Guard your integrity as a sacred thing. Nothing is more important to the quality of your life in our society. In business and sales success, you must have credibility. You can only be successful if people trust you and believe in you. In study after study, the element of trust has been identified as the most important distinguishing factor between one salesperson and another, and one company and another. As Stephen Covey said, if you want to be trusted, be trustworthy. Honesty means that you always keep your word, and you always tell the truth. Be true to yourself. There's another element to integrity that is equally important. As Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true, and then it must follow as the night, the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. You must be true to yourself, to the very best that you know. You must live in truth with yourself and refuse to engage in self-delusion. You must be perfectly honest and not wish that things could be or would be other than they are. Develop the ability to face the world and see life as it is, not as you wish it would be or could be. Most people are pretty honest. They don't lie, cheat, or steal. They do their work, pay their taxes, and deal straightforwardly with others. But even the most honest people sometimes wish and hope and want to believe things that are not true. Practice the reality principle. Jack Welch, president of General Electric, said that the most important principle in leadership is the reality principle, and that this principle is based on the need to seek the truth wherever it may lead. Deal with the world as it is, he said, not as you wish it would be. Whenever he had to deal with a problem or difficulty at General Electric, his first question would be, what's the reality? In your life, it's absolutely essential that you be true to yourself and that you live in truth with yourself. It is vital that you be true to the best that is in you. You must do the things every day that lead to the goals you have set for yourself. Face the reality of your life, whatever it is. This is the mark of the truly honest person. Number eight, unlock your inborn creativity. Think of yourself as a highly intelligent person, even a genius. Recognize that you have great reserves of creativity that you have never used. Say aloud over and over, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I'm a genius. This may sound like an exaggeration, but it isn't. The fact is that every person has the ability to perform at genius levels in one or more areas. You have within you right now the ability to do more and be more than you ever have before. You have the inborn capacity to exceed all your previous accomplishments. You have enormous reserves of creativity and intelligence. As Dennis Waitley says, you have more potential than you could use in 100 lifetimes. Use your inborn talents. One of your foremost aims in life must be to identify your special talents and then to develop those talents to a high level. This is where your intelligence shines through. In testing, 95% of young children performed at genius levels. But when those same children were tested as adults, only 5% still performed with high levels of creativity and imagination. In the intervening years, they learned that if you want to get along, you have to go along. The very best area of genius or special talent for you would be in the art of selling. Only about 10% of salespeople are completely suited to perform all seven of the key skills in selling at a high level. If this is the case for you, then you are virtually guaranteed a lifetime of high earnings and great professional success. How to detect your special talents. There are several ways that you can detect your area of special talent. First, it is something that you enjoy doing. When you're not doing it, you think about it and about getting back to it. Second, it's something that absorbs your attention completely. When you are doing what you are uniquely suited to do, you lose track of time. You often forget to eat, drink, or rest when you are doing what you are meant to do. Third, you love to learn about it and become better at it throughout your life. You are hungry for books, audio programs, and courses that give you ideas to be even better in your area of special talent. Fourth, you love to talk about it, discuss it, hear about it, and associate with people who are doing what you are ideally suited to do yourself. Sometimes you hear people say, when I'm at work, I do my work, but when I leave, I don't think about it at all. This type of person has a limited future in whatever he is doing. A person who does not think about his work when he is away from it is a person who is not suited to that line of work. If you are doing the right work for you, your work and your personal life are interwoven with only a thin dividing line between the two. Fifth, and perhaps the best indication of your natural talent, is that it is something that is easy to learn and easy to do. In fact, you forget how you learned it in the first place. It was so easy for you. It seems to be a natural expression of your personality. You do it easily and well, almost without effort. One of the reasons for underachievement is that many people consider themselves to be average rather than exceptional. They look at other people who are doing better than they are, and they assume that those other people are better than they are. But if they think in that way, their logical conclusion is that if someone else is better, they must be worse. If someone else is worth more, they must be worth less. This feeling of worthlessness and mediocrity can lead to an acceptance of average performance, even when they are really capable of superior performance. Number nine, practice the golden rule. Practice the golden rule in all your interactions with others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Think about yourself as a customer. How would you like to be treated? Obviously, you would want a salesperson to be straightforward with you. You would want her to take the time to thoroughly understand your problem or need and then show you step by step how her solution could help you improve your life or work in a cost-effective way. You would appreciate honesty and straight dealing. You would want the salesperson to explain the weaknesses as well as the strengths of her product. You would then want the salesperson to follow through on her promises and to fulfill her commitments to you. If this is what you would want from a salesperson selling to you, then be sure to give this to every customer you talk to. The Universal Maxim Practice the Universal Maxim of Immanuel Kant, the Dutch philosopher. He said, conduct your life as though your every act were to become a universal law for all people. Imagine that everyone in your world was going to behave and treat every other person the way you did. When you set this as your standard for behavior, you will find yourself practicing the golden rule and treating each person like a million-dollar client. Ask yourself, what kind of a company would my company be if everyone in it were just like me? Imagine that each person who meets you is going to judge your entire company, management, products, services, guarantees, and warranties, and follow-up support based on how you treated him or her one-on-one. The mark of superior people is that they set high standards for themselves and they refuse to compromise their standards. They imagine that everyone is watching them, even when no one is watching. You can tell the character of a person by what he does and how he carries himself when he is alone. And number 10, pay the price of success. Finally, and perhaps more important than anything else, resolve to work hard. This is one of the great keys to success in life. In the background research for The Millionaire Next Door, doctors Stanley and Danko interviewed thousands of self-made millionaires, asking them to what they attributed their success. An astounding 85% of self-made millionaires in America admitted that they were no more intelligent or talented than others, but that they worked much harder than anyone else for a much longer time. The key to success in selling is for you to start a little earlier, work a little harder, and stay a little later. Do the little things that average people always try to avoid doing. When you begin your workday, resolve to work all the time you work. Don't waste time. Get going. Move fast. Develop a sense of urgency, a bias for action. Give it full throttle. Hard work and life success can be compared to taking off and flying an airplane. When you get into the plane and taxi to the end of the runway, you call the tower and request clearance for takeoff. As soon as you get your clearance, you give the plane full throttle, 100%, to move yourself down the runway and into the air. Here's my point. If you only gave the plane 80% or even 90% throttle, you would never reach takeoff speed. You would stay on the ground until you ran out of runway and crashed. Don't hold back. In life, it is much the same. Many people work hard, but they do not work all out, with 100% commitment. As a result, they never reach the point of takeoff that puts them in the top 10% in their field. They always stay aground, among the average. They remain in the 80% of salespeople who only earn 20% of the money that's available. The good news is that if you push your throttle on full and barrel down the runway, gaining speed and lift, you soon take off. By keeping your throttle wide open, you will climb and climb until you finally reach cruising altitude. Once you reach cruising altitude, you can pull back on the throttle, take it a little easier, and you'll remain at that high altitude throughout your journey. In your sales career, especially at the beginning, you must work all out with 100% of your energy to get free of the Earth's gravity and break out of the pack of mediocrities. But once you reach your cruising altitude and get into the top 10% of money earners in your field, you can pull back on the throttle, spend more time with your family and friends, and still maintain your income and results at high levels. Your future is unlimited. You have within you, right now, the ability to be more, do more, and have more than you ever have in your life. By becoming absolutely excellent in your chosen field of selling, you can achieve all your goals and fulfill all your dreams. You can create a wonderful life for yourself and your family. You can become one of the most valuable people in your company and industry. You can earn the respect and esteem of all the people around you. You can make a significant difference in the lives of your company, your customers, and your community. By learning and practicing the psychology of selling, you can reach the stars. And there are no limits. Action Exercises Number one, make a decision today to become one of the very best salespeople in your industry. Pay any price, make any sacrifice, and never quit until you make it. Number two, dedicate yourself to lifelong learning. Read, listen to audio programs, and attend seminars. Your life only gets better when you get better. Number three, manage your time well. Plan carefully in advance and resolve to make every minute count. Four, do what you love to do. Throw your whole heart into your work and never stop getting better. Five, resolve in advance that you are going to be a big success in life and that you are never going to quit until you achieve your most important goals. 6. Sit down immediately and make a list of 10 goals you would like to achieve in the next 12 months. Select the most important goal on that list and work on it every day. And 7. Work all the time you work. Live at full throttle. Start early, work harder, and stay later. Pay the price of success in full in advance. As Napoleon Hill said, Nature cannot be tricked or cheated. She will give up to you the object of your struggles only after you have paid her price. Thank you very much for listening to The Psychology of Selling.